I'll add just uh, briefly uh, to that uh, joint worship service. So we're in conversations uh, around merging with uh, St. Luke's. And um, uh, St. Luke's is the church that's been here for 70 years. So, we, you know, when we talk about St. Luke's, they, they're, 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 they're the community here and we rent space for them. And so um, we've been renting and been in relationship with St. Luke's in a variety of ways for a number of years. And so when the uh, conversation around what it looks like for us for these two churches to become one and um, there's a lot of uh, benefits to both communities because of that and one of which being of course um, uh, we would have a permanent home here and um, so that's a conversation that's going to be over the next six months and uh, the uh, joint worship service is one way to get to know that community and continuing that conversation as we kind of feel that out so um, it's good to be with you all I've had a chance to meet EM Joe and, and the pastor here and if you're online it's good to have you join us online as well it's good to chat with you there briefly welcome um, and uh, it's just a joy today similar to last week we're going to look at a psalm a psalm comes from a Greek word that meant a song sung to a harp, and I did not bring my harp with me today, uh, so I did think about playing a little bit of harp for you all, but we're not going to do that. Uh, but in our uh, Bible, if you have a paper Bible, uh, there's a whole, or a digital one, there's a whole collection or hymnal of these songs, these psalms. And uh, this collection of songs are found in the Hebrew Bible, or what we call the Old Testament, and it's right near the middle of the Bible. So if you have a paper one, you can kind of just open it up and uh, you can find it right in the middle, which uh, growing up reading the Bible, this was a great way for me to, they're, they're often very easy to read and you could just find them very easily as well. So they're often uh, easy if you're looking for comfort, but over, they've been a source of comfort and inspiration to people of faith, both our Jewish sisters and brothers, and then the many iterations of Christianity for, for generations and generations and generations. I mean, these are old, old songs. So last week we looked at a lament psalm, meant, uh, specifically a petition. And at its heart, if you were here with us, uh, it was crying out to God for help. God, I'm hurting, help me, right? This is what we call lament, petition. God, I'm in need. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, you know that moment where you start bargaining with God and you're like, God, I really need you to show up. I, I've been there a few times in my life. Um, but that's what a petition is. Today, we're going to look at a Thanksgiving psalm. No turkey included, bad joke, uh, or what is essentially a song about praise and thanks to God. And last, like last week, we're going to read the psalm twice, just heads up. I'm going to read it once now. We'll hear it for the first time. Uh, we'll hear it actually for the second time, sort of, because we sang a song that included a lot of the lyrics. Um, and the hopes is that as you hear it the second time later on at the end of the sermon, that you'll hopefully God will speak to you in a new way. So if you want to follow along, you can go to your phones and look up Psalm 30, or you can grab a Bible out of the pews and find Psalm 30, or you can just close your eyes, take a few breaths, and listen as I read Psalm 30. It's not a very long psalm, so let's do it. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will not be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. And when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called, and to the Lord I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go to the pit, 
Will, will dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing, and you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and be not silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the reading of your word and for how it might speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, come and be with us. Whatever it is you would have us be challenged or encouraged with this morning, make it evident to us. Help us walk away with what we need. In your name, amen. This is unrelated to the sermon, but I have to tell you this story. Um, because uh, I, I was just reading this about how it turned, you know, joy is mentioned a few times in the psalm, and uh, we got Finn these Christmas pajamas, and they say joyful all over the place. It's like, you know, joyful, joyful, you know, that song, um, and uh, or joy to the world, you know, like it's a Christmas thing, joy. So he's got joy and joyful, like, plastered on this Christmas pajamas. He's wearing them last night, and he's, he's, he's really into superheroes, and he's sort of learning about who God is, right? And, and it's fun to watch him kind of, like, connect these dots. But uh, so knowing that, you'll understand why he says to me as we're putting him to bed, he's like, I'm joy man. I can control anything God created. I was like, that would be a really intense superpower, by the way. He's like, except for maybe people, that wouldn't be fair. And uh, so that's, that's just a free one. Um, when I was in college, I, I fell in love with uh, storytelling. And uh, ever since then, I've had as much, uh, as, much as I can I've uh, tried to study the art of storytelling. You might not always be able to tell that. Um, but uh, I, I, got, I, I began writing fiction, and I've gotten really involved in even the Ohio Writers Association, which, which I've, um, I'm a part of. And I just I, I love, I love stories. I've got a few publications under my belt. I'll let you know. I'm very proud of those. Um, not necessarily, you know, what, you know, they're sci-fi. They're not for everyone, but whatever. Um, but there was a book I read a long time ago, and some of you have read it, I'm sure, as well, or at least have a copy of it because we've given it out in the past. Um, but it brought together my love of stories, narratives, with my heart for ministry and people and, you know, all that. And uh, it's written by Donald Miller, and he, he makes a very simple but bold claim that becomes the, sort of the thesis of this book, he, he, he suggests that what makes a great story also makes a great life. It's a really interesting concept if you like stories. What makes a great story makes a great life. And in the book, he uses this basic storytelling principles uh, to help the reader dissect and understand their life. You know, what has happened to them and where they're headed and how they're setting goals and this sort of like self-improvement stuff. He argues if you know what makes a great story... You can figure out how to have this amazing life. Not like necessarily successful, but like meaningful and profound and like purposeful and rich life in a, in a, in a more abstract way. So the question then becomes, it's an interesting thesis. I happen to agree with it. You might not. doesn't matter. I'm preaching. What makes a great story? Well, there are a lot of answers to that question. It's a complicated question. I don't have the, the complete answer. I'm still learning what makes a great story. Um, I've found that one of the things that makes a great story is good uh, critique, but that's not what we're going to preach about today. That'd be another sermon. But one of the easier ways to understand the basic of a story, the basic nature of a story, what makes a story a story, which then could be a great story, is that its most basic level is this. It's about a character who wants something 
and overcomes conflict to get it, or at least try to get it. So if you're taking notes, you should have a half sheet provided. You can write this down. It might be helpful for you to remember. A story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. A character with some kind of motivation. They, they want something. There's an ambition. And, and the deeper... the motivation, the more human the motivation, the better the story, the more you're likely to relate to it. Um, and this character faces conflict. They face obstacles. Um, and just like ambition, the, the deeper the conflict, the, the oftentimes the better the story. And then they have to overcome that conflict or at least try to. So I want to visualize this narrative device like this. You can think of it sort of like a mountain diagram. There's actually probably a better way to visualize it, but we're going to stick with this. You have a character who becomes motivated or driven by something, um, and uh, then they face an obstacle, and they have to work to overcome it. This is a basic story. If they reach the other side, and they get what they want, or they learn to want something different, we call that a comedy. Yay! You know, the, the story ends in a way that we're like, I'm okay, I'm happy with this story, whatever... However it happens, it can happen in a lot of clever ways, but you're happy with it. And I use comedy in, in, in that sort of sense. Like, it's just, it's, it's a happy ending. If they don't overcome the obstacle or can't learn to want something different, we call that a tragedy. <sighs> now, I say comedy in a literary sense. It might not be funny at all. Comedy here just means that there's some kind of resolution that we're okay with. Things work out. Things are okay. We're happy with the end of the story. And here's why all this matters. Here's why I share it. I find to understand why Psalm 30, the psalm we just read, is saying what it's saying, the best way to understand that is to consider where in the psalmist story it's being written. In the grand narrative or that season of that psalmist's life, where is he writing this psalm? Last week we looked at a lament, Psalm 31. And in it, the writer went on and on about their troubles and how hard it was and how, how much they needed God to show. God, please just show up! Where do you think that particular psalm was written in the story of their life? It was written in the midst of conflict, wasn't it? Right there. That's, that's where you write a lament. You're in the midst of it. In the thick of it, right there. Nothing but difficulties. They weren't sure they were going to survive. This could easily turn into a tragedy, which, by the way, when you're in the midst of it, you kind of assume it is. It feels like a tragedy. There's no way out. Everything is falling apart. That's the psalm we looked at last week. But today we're looking at a Thanksgiving psalm. And what's interesting about it is that it talks just as much about suffering as last week's psalm. Did you notice that? It talks about enemies taking over. We talked about that last week. It talks about nearly dying. It talks about being discouraged and shamed, much like last week's psalm, but with one big difference. It refers to all of that suffering, and the best way to refer to suffering, by the way, in the past tense. That's my favorite kind of suffering, the past tense kind. <laughs> in other words, Psalm 30 was written here. Yay! It's reflecting back on the past from a place of peace, from a place of resolution. Things worked out. Last week, we saw what it looked like when we're in the thick of it. This week, we're going to see how we can look at suffering once we're through it. 
when we can look back at all the conflict, all the pain, all the hurt, and all the challenge, and be thankful that we made it through, that God helped us get through. And of course, we made it through because we're living our own story, and hopefully, the goal of being here today is that you've decided author of that story should be God. That God is going to be the author of your story. And, and I'm here to tell you that God actually tells some of the best stories, especially with people's lives. And because God is God, um, just because God is God doesn't mean that there isn't going to be conflict in your story. Because here's the thing. This is a very important lesson. Conflict is essential to stories. Because conflict is essential to life. And the more we understand this, the healthier our perspective will be on life, especially when we face difficulties. So here, here, I want to hear me when I say this, and I, and I wish it could be another way. I really do. I wish it could work another way, but this is just how life works. Good story needs conflict. It needs pain. It needs hurt. A good story needs obstacles because there's nothing more boring than a story without conflict. So let me give you an example. I want to tell you a story about Sam. Uh, this is a Joe original. It will not get published, but uh, you can get kind of comfortable. Here's story time. Uh, here's the first iteration of Sam's story. Uh, let me, you can decide whether you find this story interesting. Sam went to the store, and after finding a parking spot, he walked in, got a car, picked up his groceries, and ran into a friend who hadn't seen in a while, and they had a short conversation. And when they were done, he checked out. Someone bagged his groceries, he took them to his car, loaded them into the trunk, then went home. And when he got home, he unloaded his groceries, and that ended his shopping trip. Yeah? Do you like, would you like me to continue? Oh, good. He put the milk in the fridge, and he put the cereal in the pantry, and he unpacked his peanut butter, you know. I'm not going to go on. I'm bored telling this story. Like, you're just waiting for it to be, you're like hoping, like there's a punchline at the end of it. No, that's it. That's the story. Okay. That's a story without any conflict. The only tension in that story is your hope that it'll be different at the end. Let me try it again. Let me tell you Sam's story if it felt a little more real. And once again, not a great story, but hopefully it'll make you feel a little bit different. So sit back, story time again. This one will be a little bit longer. Conflict makes stories longer, by the way. Sam was just fired from his job, and all he had was what was left from his last paycheck. That is, until he figured out how to get on an unemployment, which was a process that was turning out to be far more complicated than it should be, considering he had failed to check a few boxes on last year's tax paperwork. By his estimate, he would have to live on this paycheck for at least the next three weeks, at the minimum. And with his other bills and his limited savings, he had decided he could spend $50 at the grocery store to buy enough groceries for the next two weeks at least, if not three. And he's wondering, how do people even do that? To make sure he didn't overspend, though, he was smart. He left his credit card in the car and had with him a single $50 crisp bill. So he entered the store Somewhat confused. How do people pick and choose between something as essential as butter, bread, and milk? So he headed to the produce aisle. And he was walking around the corner. He was adding up the numbers in his head. And he was applying the sales tax to make sure that he would have enough with the items that were in his cart. 
and uh, which only reminded him of his previous financial mistakes at his job, which, by the way, cost him his job. If he had only caught those errors before his boss did, he wouldn't have had to count up those groceries like this. He didn't notice then that he was gripping the handle of his cart as if he was holding a bat ready to swing. And he was staring at a gallon of milk, wondering if he could get a little bit more if he had only purchased a half gallon. And as he turned the corner, he ran right into another colleague, a customer from work, a uh, colleague from work. He looked up. And of all the people he could have bumped into, this colleague looked at Sam, looked at Sam's cart with nothing but the essentials, you know, milk, bread, peanut butter, a few packs of ramen to really give it away. And then he looked back at Sam, and it was obvious he knew. He had to know this was the cart of the recently unemployed. So Sam tried to smile and then said hi, and they exchanged a few words, which lasted 100 times longer than Sam wanted, ending with his colleague apologizing and offering some half-assed attempt to help. Sam had never been more embarrassed in his life. And all he could think about was what his dad used to say. Oh, you'll never amount to anything, Sam, if you don't start trying a little harder. He didn't remember checking out or loading up his car or unloading his groceries. He was too busy trying to figure out the best way to get another job. Two stories, same action, identical, guys buying groceries. Now, neither is a master class of storytelling, but I'm hoping that you get the idea that they felt a little different, didn't they? One had conflict. He's short on money. He's afraid of what people will think of him. He's wrestling with his thoughts parents told him, you know, which is something we've all done. He's worried about having enough to survive. There's conflict, and the greater the conflict that we can relate to and connect with, the greater the story. The deeper the conflict, the deeper the story. If there's no conflict, it's boring. If there's only surface conflict, you know, the guy just doesn't have money, it's more interesting, but it's not great. But if the conflict goes deeper, if it truly touches on the human experience, things like shame and embarrassment and loss and heartache, and it's told well, better than a little snippet in a sermon, these deep human emotions can come up, and when it's told really well, it can become a very powerful story. This psalm references someone's story. Psalm 30 references someone's story, but it's clear from this psalm that the story worked out. The conflict was horrible, but things worked out. God delivered them. And here's the best part about choosing God as your author. And I think it's one of the points of this psalm. And it's the point of, the, I think, the entire narrative of Scripture. This psalm, God even, teaches us that when we rely on God, every story, no matter how great the conflict, it always becomes a comedy. Here's the narrative. This is what I think Scripture is trying to teach us. Your story... No matter the mistakes you made, the trouble you got into, whatever you've experienced, if you allow God to be the author of your story, at any point in your story, it will, with enough time, become a comedy. Things will. Now, this is a bold statement. This is a very bold statement. I don't, I don't have a lot of absolutes that I make, and I'm making this as an absolute. I believe it to my core. I sometimes forget that I believe it. But I believe it. 
It might not be funny, haha, but it's going to have a happy ending if you allow God to inject into your story, to, to, to dictate it, it will always work out. If God is in charge, it doesn't mean that you won't suffer. It means that suffering won't have the final say. Even if suffering brings us to our end, it won't have the final say. The psalmist says it like this, verse 3. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm. Is there any better summary of the gospel? The, the story of Jesus. Jesus would be tried and beaten and shamed and mocked and then, and then hung on a cross to die, and he died. And if that's where the story ends, we would say that's a tragedy. What a tragedy. Great guy killed unjustly. But this story doesn't end there, does it? Because it's not a tragedy. If it had been, it would be still a good story, but it doesn't end there. Jesus comes back to life. This is what we celebrate on Easter, which is coming up in a few months. And that's the point of the resurrection. That's literally the gospel. The good news that God came to tell us is that not even death has the final say in your story, in those who, who allow God to write their stories. I'll be honest with you, last year was a tough year for me. I've shared this before. A lot of challenges. I've, I, I, felt, I felt what the psalmist said. I felt like I was in a pit. I felt so much that other people started referring to my situation as the pit, and they would even say, I'm getting in the pit with you, Joe. I'm like, it's not that big. <laughs> it's getting crowded down here. I mean, life had just become unbearable. Worst season of my life. It probably won't be the worst season of my life when everything's said and done. I'll have worse ones, and that's something to look forward to. But it was so, so far, 38 years, tough seasons after it. Now, if for some reason, at this point, everything's great the rest of my life, I'm not going to complain. My life could become boring, not a great story, but I'm not going to complain. But I have to ask myself, do I get bitter or do I get better? And it's the old classic cliche. Do I get bitter or do I get better? It's a, it's a good question. And that answer, the answer that I, to that question, it changes when I realize that my life is just a story that God is writing and that story isn't finished yet. Do you see? And if that's true, that the greater the conflict, the greater the story that I'm here to tell you, I'm going to have a pretty good story. Oh, great story. Best story ever. And I can't wait to see how it ends, by the way. I can't wait to see how it ends and then tell people about it. This is how the psalmist explains it. This is the whole point of Psalm 30. It says, to you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. And he makes this, this argument. He's bargaining with God a little bit. He's like, what is gained if I keep quiet? God, you need me to talk about this. Boy, don't you want people to know how great you were? What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? If my story ends in a tragedy, who's going to let people know how good God is? Is the dust going to? Now, <clears throat> Jesus and some of the prophets are like, well, actually, the rocks will cry out, but that's another sermon. He is so, this psalm is like, the dust isn't going to praise you. Will it proclaim your faithfulness? No. God, you need me to tell your story. Who else is going to tell you how great you are? In other words, God is doing something in their life right now that is going to make a great story. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. God is doing something in your life that's going to make a great story. And if it's not a great story yet, it's because it's not over yet. I love this idea. 
that, that even our stories, as painful as they can be at times, could be turned into something beautiful. Oh, if only that was true. <laughs> if that was true, I'd say that's very good news. Very good news indeed. If that was true, I'd join in with the psalmist in Psalm 30 when he says, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me, with, clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. As you think about your story, the, the current season of your life, this, this sort of chapter of your life, where do you see yourself in this diagram? Where do you see yourself? This is kind of like a cycle. As you reach one resolution, oftentimes a new story begins. Are you starting out with a new chapter in your life, finding new motivation, new passions, new ambitions, or maybe even old ambitions that have sat quiet for a while, that have been under the surface and, and something has knocked them out into the focus? Or are you in the midst of conflict, uh, struggling, hurting, trying to keep your story from ending as a tragedy, worried that it might? Or do you see yourself coming off of the mountain or out of the pit, successful, beaten up, maybe tired, but you've made it? Or do you find yourself on level ground again, resolution, able to look back with a sense of peace and a sense of purpose and a sense of perspective? Don't reflect for a second. Where do you see yourself in your current chapter of your life? Are you just moving into conflict? You know, I, I find in my life that the more hills I climb over, the more hesitant I am to start another one. <laughs> Is that, am I the only one who's, that's, you know, like, when I was young, I was like, I could climb every mountain. That's a song, I think. Uh, I won't sing it for you. I could climb every mountain, and then I'm like, I'm getting near 40, and I'm like, I, can we just maybe wait a little bit before the next mountain? Another question for reflection, how does thinking about your life as a story help you have perspective? for not only where you've come from, but where you're headed. How does being able to step back and see the whole picture help with perspective and give you peace, knowing that your story isn't over, that your story is in God's hands and it, and it will work out? That's the good news, that, that suffering and death, no matter what happens, won't have the final say, that God will find a way to redeem it. How good is it to know that those things you did that you thought would mess up your life are actually just parts of a story that God is weaving into this phenomenal novel. Bestseller, maybe. Best that's ever been written. You see, the psalmist, if you read between the lines, realizes something. When, when God brings us through hard stuff and we learn to be thankful, we're able to look back with perspective of gratitude, it makes it that much easier the next time we go through hard stuff. That, that learning to be grateful and understanding the bigger picture and being able to step back and realize that there's more going on here than just my individual difficulty. As real and as important as that is, as important as laments are, feel what you need to feel, but it's still a part of something bigger that God is telling. And that's not where the story is going to end. God hasn't left us. God's not disappointed in us. God is still writing your story. We're along for the ride. So, in case you're wondering, 
Sam got a call when he got home. His uh, friend from the grocery store passed his information to an old colleague from a similar firm that he used to work at, and he's got an interview next week. So uh, doesn't that feel good to have a hopeful ending, even if it's entirely made up? Yay! (laughs) With all of this in mind, I want to read Psalm 30 again. The words of someone who's been through it, you know, who's been through it, and experienced God making something beautiful out of something difficult. And and hear what they have to say uh, about their gratefulness to God and how their confidence in God spills out in every line. Psalm 30. Let's hear it now with new ears. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment. This favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will, not, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I cried. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. God, we don't begin to understand why things happen the way that they do. At times we struggle to understand the suffering that's in the world, either the suffering that we experience personally or those that we love or just the general nature of the world at times when everything feels broken. And God, in those times I find myself to lose confidence in you that you're still in charge, that you're still doing things. It sure doesn't feel like it. Remind us, Lord, that that the hard stuff in life only lasts a moment, but your favor lasts a lifetime, and that the overarching story of our lives and of your people is bent towards justice and towards making things right. Remind us that we are a part of that story now. As your people, we give you thanks in your name. Amen.